Shabbos, everybody. Good Shabbos. If you are uh, holding one of these red books, the Chumash, our Torah, please open it to page 166. Page 166. Every, every service, every Jewish worship service actually has three pieces to it, at least. In broad strokes, those in this community, in the Roman community, know that prayer is, generally speaking, yearning. We long for a world that we currently don't experience in its fullness, and we long to see that world materialize or actualize, and that's yearning. Almost every tefillah, every prayer service, every worship service has an aspect of yearning to it. Even thanksgiving, meaning hoda'ah, the awareness of what we already have, is a part of yearning. That we might always have it, that we might have it for others, and so on. Appreciation becomes a longing, and longing becomes appreciation. The second part of our prayer service is learning, from yearning to learning. We open up our sacred literature, our sacred book, and we ask it to speak to us here, where we are here today. We assume that, that it has wisdom that we ourselves might not have, or that in some relationship between it meeting us, in that meeting between its narrative or its words and our own interpretive and perceptive faculties, that we might glean something. It isn't just that it's there sitting. We have to interact with it. That's learning. That's what we're doing now. That's Torah. And the third piece, of course, is Aleinu. It is upon us to take those values and to walk them out in the world and make the world a better place. It's not just enough to pray as the Talmud says, in a room, we must pray in a room with windows, says the Talmud. That our prayer services, with its yearning and its learning, must also extend beyond the space in which we are to the places where we are not yet, and where that learning and that yearning might become manifest in a better world. So now, learning. So we have, on page 166, what will be read by our Bar Mitzvah, by Jacob this morning. We are smack dab in the middle of the book of Genesis in the story of Jacob appropriately, perfectly. Vayetze Yaakov, the two words that begin chapter 28, verse 10, and what is known as our parsha, our weekly reading. And Jacob left. Where did he leave everyone? He left his home, right? Why is he running away from home? Because his brother Esau, his twin brother to whom he has deceived and stolen the birthright from, he's kind of awakened to that fact and he better get out of Dodge. Or Esau's going to, you know, big trouble. But Yitzhak Yaakov, and Jacob left. Now, for those of you who are not attuned to what's been going on in the weekly reading, you're not necessarily up to speed, let me just quickly get you, let you know that in last week's Torah reading, we already knew that Jacob was leaving town. Jacob had already been told by his mother, Rebecca, you better get out because Esau's coming to get you. And so Jacob had already made arrangements, and he's going where? Does anybody know where he's going? Padena Aram. He's going to the Aramean area. What is that in the Bible? Where is that? Who came from there? Abraham. So, just, Jacob is now retracing the steps of his father Abraham, of his grandfather Abraham. Decidedly, his father Isaac never left the land of Israel, but now Jacob, in the first moment of maturity, he doesn't get to actually enjoy the birthright. He's on the run. 
he's anything but safe and secure. He's actually the birthright, which he thought would bring him the blessings, have brought him nothing but trouble. So he's got to get out of town. It didn't go exactly as he imagined it would be. He kind of really thought that he was like, okay, I'm going to go steal the birthright and nobody will notice. It's just a little zero right there in the, in the spreadsheet. And no, who cares? And now, you know, his brother found out the whole thing didn't go down exactly as he had planned it to go. And now he's running away. And he's going back to a place that you should never go back to in the Torah. There are certain places in the Torah, again, if we just read the Torah on its own terms, there are certain places, certain neighborhoods that the Torah says, no, that's not a good neighborhood for you. That's not going to be good. There are basically two places. The place where Abraham is from and the place called Egypt or Mitzrayim. Not talking about actual Egypt now, but Mitzrayim in the Bible is the place you don't want to go to. Right? You want to leave there. So it's kind of interesting here that the word Vayetzeh, and he left, and he exodus, is actually the first time the Torah talks about what becomes the word to leave Egypt. Vayetzeh, Yitziat Mitzrayim. Jacob leaves his home which had become a kind of Egypt for him. Jacob leaves a place that even though it looked like it was home, it was a place where his true self wasn't fully manifest. He had to deceive to get the blessing. That's the first thing in that word. The second thing in that word, Vayetze, and this is what I want to open up to all of you in this open up part of our prayer service. The word Vayetze, and he left, is superfluous. The Torah does not waste words. Now, I'm not getting into whether or not who wrote the Torah, but it's certainly true that if you read the Bible, no matter what lens you bring to it, one thing is true about the Torah is that it's not, you know, it isn't whimsy with the way that it uses words. If it uses a word or a phrase and it's not necessary, the Torah is kind of telling us something. So as I said, in last week's Torah portion, we already knew that Jacob was leaving town. So all this verse had to start with was, Vayelech Yaakov Harana. And Jacob went to Haran. We don't need to know that he's leaving town. And so this bothered the rabbis, and here's what they say on it. Actually, you know what? Before I tell you what they say, what do you say? What do you think the Torah is telling us about this moment? Why does the Torah have to tell us that he left? Don't we know that he's leaving? It's already been announced Everybody knows that he's packed his bags and he's leaving town. What is the Torah telling us in saying, and he left and he went? Put on your Midrashic hats. You're like, let me figure this out. What might the Torah be telling you if you were writing this story? Karen. Nick is going to be running around so we can all hear your, your beautiful interpretation. I think it immediately makes us think about Abraham leaving um, Lech Lecha. And so it kind of sets us up to contrast what it was like for Abraham to leave with God's blessing and with, you know, all this hope and possibilities and Jacob leaving, you know, on the run without anything, without knowing where he's going um, to the land that God will show him. And so... He, I think it's just a, a way of us like putting ourselves back into uh, the patriarchal leaving and going and coming. So I want to I amplify what, what, what Karen Freed is saying, and I want to I I add something and, and take it, if you don't mind. So 
I, I absolutely agree with you that I think that there's a contrast here, what's called an, intersubject, an inter, intertextual or intertextual, like this leaving is like other leavings, but it's not. So there's a moment here to say like, oh, Jacob is leaving like his dad left. Isaac never left. So he's kind of taking something that his grandfather began or his grandfather you know, modeled for him. But it's very important that the contrast here is stark. Because whereas Abraham left because God said so, here it's Vayetze Yaakov. Right? Jacob is going because Rebekah told him to go and because he's scared. There's no divine voice yet that speaks to Jacob to tell him to go. He just knows that he has to go. And in a way, it's even more scary for him because he doesn't have any promise from God that it's going to be okay. He's got no promise from his mom and dad. There's no credit card in his pocket. He's got nothing. Vayetze Yaakov, he's completely by himself. Man, I can feel that feeling. Like when I think about Jacob leaving and seeing him like almost like Huck Finn, he's got like a little satchel and he's going out, he's got nothing, right? Whereas the text in chapter 12, when it talks about Abraham, his grandfather leaving, it says, and he left with Sarah and with his nephew and they had like a whole retinue. And the Midrash also picks up on that. Vayetze Yaakov says in Midrash, who levado? He goes by himself. And a lot of the things that happened in Jacob's life happened by himself which is amazing because he's a twin. As if the text is telling us that his own individuation is dependent on him being alone and mastering things alone. Not with the help of a brother or with anyone else. Everybody's helping Jacob. He's got to learn to go by himself. And then when he goes by himself, God appears to him. So it's beautiful. You contrasted that with Abraham. Abraham left with hopes and dreams and Jacob is leaving without any knowledge of what's about to transpire 20 years before he comes back. He doesn't come back home like Odysseus. He doesn't, he's, he's out. Who knows? Amazing, amazing. Okay, wow, hands are flying here. Okay, Karen and then Sharon, we'll move our way from the back forward. And then, uh, does anybody here have anything to say? Because I'll just stay here for a while, if you don't. Uh, Karen, and then, and then we'll. So my hand, keep, my, my hand kept popping up when you said, Jacob's leaving with nothing. He's leaving alone, he's leaving with nothing. But my understanding is he's leaving with the birthright. Yes. Right? He's stolen the, he's, uh, however you want to interpret it, he has the birthright. And for some reason, that motivates Jacob to take on whatever he thinks is coming alone. But that is some sort of sacred relationship with God and some sacred relationship with the future of what's to come. So I, I, I think that's where Jacob finds the strength to He finds the strength on. because he knows that he has, he already has a gift. He has some inheritance. He has something that he's taking with him. Okay? Beautiful. I'm actually, I'm going to, uh, only two more and then I have to bring us in for a landing and maybe have some people from this side of the room who hasn't spoken. So Sharon. So I'm going to piggyback onto what Karen said. I think he's leaving some, some identity behind and he's going to be picking up a new identity. For sure. He's the one patriarch. You have Avram to becoming Avraham. But here's Jacob who becomes Yisrael, and he wrestles with the angel. And yes. his name, I don't know at what point his name, is it in this Parsha, where it is that his no. name gets next. changed? Is it next. next? But I think there's some sense that he's leaving behind some, some um, primary self, and he's taking on another, there's going to be another okay, so, self, that's so for, another for identity. So for Sharon is saying that the, the reason the Torah highlights the word Vayetze is because he's not just leaving right, physically leaving, this is more of an existential or identity leaving. It's not just that he physically went out, that's the Torah described last week, that's great. We know that he's leaving, he's got his tickets, he's got his boarding pass, it's all cool. But there's something much more significant happening 
that he's actually leaving and transforming and transitioning into a new self, a new identity. Anybody here have, yeah, did we, did we miss anybody here? So we're gonna go to Robin. I'm sorry, I know there are lots of hands. Let's just come over here. If we have time, we'll come back. Well, like Karen, I thought, I, I thought not of his, not of Avraham leaving, but of two weeks ago when Bayavo, when Avraham came back, and he came back because of a death. And here, Jacob is leaving. So there's all this like coming and going, right? So do you just come home for death and you go out to like recreate your life? So there's some, there's some balance too to a young man yes. setting out. Yes. You know, that is like a model that we're, we're seeing here and that is Vayetze, Vayetze. Vayetze, that there's, there's a lot of coming and going in the Torah. But the coming back was for death and this is for... But that was, Avram came back for death. Oh, you mean like, oh, so I'm here... Those two, that there's the, con the contrast is the coming home was at the end and the going out is at the beginning. Like you have to go out. In, ah, in the way that, that Israel goes out from I slavery I to see. begin something. That's right. So the leaving here is important because the Torah is in, self, in a way sanctioning and identifying and making holy all of the leavings and the comings and goings. And that in your youth, there is a sense here that he has to go out to find himself. He'll come back right towards the end and coming and going is part of what it is in life. And so here there's kind of a holy leaving that is youthful and important for his own formation. And the Torah is bringing us into stark relief around that. Is that what you're saying? Okay, great. Beautiful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, right after this one, I'm going to go myself. Okay, go. Uh, he's leaving because he has to wrestle with angels and he has to find Israel. And there's a sort of backwards and forwards nature of time in the Torah where it's not really clear if you're doing something because something behind you is pushing you or something forward is calling you. So he, if he doesn't leave, he won't wrestle with angels and there won't right. be Israel. So his leaving here is so profoundly important, he has to go. But here's the thing, everybody, and here's we're going to bring it in for a little bit of a landing. So the, the, it's a bit redundant. The leaving here is what I wanted to ask about. Meaning the fact that he's going, we know, because the Torah will say go, and that's the language with Abraham, lech lecha. And so the verse that we're going to read, that Jacob will read in a moment, verse 10, begins this way. Vayetze Yaakov mi be'er sheva. He left Be'er Sheva, the place called Be'er Sheva. Vayelech Haran, and he went towards Haran. For all of our interpretations, for the most part, we could have been, it would have been sufficient. As they say in the Talmud, Hadar Kushya Leduchta, the problem is still here. The, the going is also a part of the leaving, but why tell us about the leaving of the place? And here's what the, and we had a couple of interpretations. Here, listen to what the rabbis say about this redundancy or this superfluous nature and see it and hear it in Abraham's story too. Say the rabbis, Vayetze Yaakov mi be'er sheva. Right? Why does it say that he left where he was? We already knew he was leaving. Why do we have to know that? Say the rabbis, to tell us, Yitziaso shel tzadik mena'ir oseh roshem, that when a righteous person leaves a place, it leaves an impression. When he is there, say the rabbis, who ziva, who hadara, who yofia. When the righteous person is in that place, that place is more beautiful. It is more pleasant. It is more refined. It, it, like their presence matters. 
And when they leave, Yatsa Hoda, Yatsa Ziva, Yatsa Yofia. That when the righteous person leaves, there is an absence that is palpable. And unlike Abraham, whom we never hear what was left behind, no one ever talked about the place that he left. Nobody ever said, there's no mention in the Bible of like, once Abraham left, Haran was bereft. The city was bereft of its greatest politician, its greatest, most loving presence. We all know that in a community, there are people whose presence is so palpable when they're not there, everyone wonders, hey, have you seen so-and-so? Hey, I don't, you know, the shul's been a little bit different, the community's a little bit different. How many of us in our lives think about what it's like after we leave a room? What did we leave behind? What was our presence in that room's purpose? Was it thick? Was it thin? So many of us, right, in this sense of Jacob leaving and the image of Huck Finn, we can have a kind of fantasy of what our funeral might be like, which is kind of what this Midrash is saying. What will they say about me when I'm no longer there? Does my leaving a place make as big an imprint on others as it does when I'm there? Or how might my being there be informed by what I will leave there when I'm gone? This kind of mini moment of the rabbis reading into this, this little phrase, and he left Be'er Sheva, they say, we don't need to know that he left Be'er Sheva. Of course he's going to leave Be'er Sheva. That's where he lives. We also know where he's going. He's going to wrestle with angels. He's going on his, his journey, his daemon. He's going on his hero's place. But when he was in Be'er Shava and then he got up and left, he left a Roshim. He left an impression. That's a high mark. So I wanted to call up for this piece. I wanted to call up for this piece, this open up. Those in the community um, for whom that kind of presence, that kind of awareness. And again, if it's a hero's journey, if it's leaving a place that you want to come up for, also cool. If any of the Torah in the room spoke to you at this moment in your life, then please come forward. But I also wanted to bring what I'm thinking about, which is the impact that we make when we're present and imagining how people experience our absence, what it is that we leave behind when we leave. If that speaks to you this morning, if that's a Torah for you, this Torah has a gazillion pieces to it. Uh, if any one of these speak to you, please come forward for the first group Aliyah uh, this morning.